Hi everybody, I'm Charlie Guarino. Welcome to Tech Talk SMB. Our first guest ever is an IBM software developer and admin and somebody who is definitely not letting grass grow under her feet. I am very happy to welcome and introduce to our podcast, Marina Schwenk. Marina, I was looking at your, your bio here and so many different things jump right out at me. What strikes me really are what you've accomplished since graduating college. And I'm just going to just rattle these off. I see that you're a member of the Common America's Advisory Council. Uh, you're the vice president of your user group, WMCPA, the Wisconsin Mid-Range Computer Professional Organization. Also the, um, a member of Common's YIPS, Young Eye Professionals Committee. And more recently, in 2019, you were selected as an IBM Fresh Face. Now, what's why I say I'm that strikes me is this resume of yours reads as reads like somebody who's been in the IT industry for decades, and yet you've only been doing this professionally since 2015. So tell me about that. How did you? You, you seem to have done accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. How is that even possible? Where do you start? You just kind of hit the ground running. So for me, I'm going to step back a little bit. Um, while I was going to school at Gateway, so, you know, I earned my associate's degree from Gateway. And like I talked about um, a bit yesterday in the event I was doing yesterday, you know, things kind of come down to one decision you make. And I think one of the best decisions that I made there is I actually almost left Gateway and I came across a student who convinced me to uh, stick with the program. And that decision kind of led me to, you know, being taught by, by Jim Buck and him introducing me to WMCPA, you know, as a student and to the platform, which then after graduating, then I got my, my job at Everbright. But being introduced to WMCPA and being involved with WMCPA as a student, I think that definitely has been the first step for me. Um, after I graduated, you know, I kind of went back into my shell a little bit and, you know, just started working for Everbright. Right away, I started working on my bachelor's degree and I uh, graduated in 2017 with that. But I just started, you know, working on some side projects and at the end of those side projects kind of what made me come out of my shell and got involved you know in much more than just my users group which I stayed involved in after I graduated from Gateway. That's interesting but you know I'm happy to, to say that I've, I've known you now for I guess the most the, the most of your professional career I, I, I was attending the user group in Wisconsin in 2015. And that's when I guess we, we, you and I first met each other. And I don't remember you being as public as a figure as you are now. I, I think you were pro probably like most IT people, they're introverts. And that's not, yes. that's not to be um, derogatory at all. I think it's just the nature of, of mm -hmm. IT people in general. And yet, yet you've blossomed into this. And I'd like to talk about that also about the how how you've really come you've come in, um, into your own in that 
in that arena, you know, what is public speaking? What motivated you to even want to get started with that or giving back to the community as it were, just to, to start giving back and realizing that you had a knack for this? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a knack, just more of a big part of who I am. And I think it kind of reminds me or overtakes the natural introverted side is I love helping people. I've got such a big need to, to do something that matters to make a difference. And for me, you know, there's two open source projects that I co-wrote and I knew with the first one when we finished it, I wanted to publish it out to the IBMI community because I felt like it could make a difference to them. And I knew that the best way to get it out to the community because no one knew who I was, because like you mentioned before, when you first met me, I was that shy girl that would go to the conference and attend sessions and learn as much as I could and no one knew who I was. And I was perfectly fine with that. But I knew I had to start speaking and publishing that project is kind of what crossed me into that public speaking realm. And I could have, I didn't start speaking till 2018. I actually could have started speaking a year earlier because that's when I published the project. But you kind of have to force yourself out of your shell a little bit. And I'm really glad that I did. Well, I think to, to that end, look what it's done for you. It's, it's I think your, your professional network has, I, mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know to what scale, but certainly I think your, your professional network as a result of your speaking has had to have increased. Yes, it definitely has. You know, and I think when the first time I presented was, um, for WMCPA, AJ let me present at the spring conference, and that was a big boost, you know, for me presenting there. But the next time I presented was for the fall conference at Common, and Ashley Mueller, you know, was talking to me at that conference and my session because I did gave a session on SQL. I had the largest amount of attendees for that time block. And she told me, she said, this is a popular session. I want you to continue to do this. So maybe you should, you know, consider being part of the speaker mentorship program. And so she paired me up with Debbie Sagan. And I, I love Debbie. She's been a great mentor for me for, for speaking. But coming, forcing myself out of my shell and speaking has been great for my confidence. And you meant, you know, going back to your resume, I see things in here like member of the Common America Advisory Council. Talk about the CAC to begin with. What exactly is the CAC's role? Let's start with there. Start well, with the, CAC, the CAC's role, um, we represent the IBMI community. So we, you know, it's a group of, of people and it's people in various different roles. You know, some people, they're ISVs or, or a couple of people, maybe they're in like that VP or, or leadership role. And then there's, you know, a couple of people like me that are our developers. And, you know, we review the RFEs that come in and we rank them. We tell IBM, you know, we think this is a valid request and we want you to allocate time for it. Or, or we think, you know, this, this one, you know, allocate time, but, you know, when you have more time and, and 
they value our input. They really do. And I love being part of the CAC. I really do. Um, I think, you know, being able to speak, I don't want to say speak for the IBMI community, but advocate for the IBMI community has been great for me because I, like I said before, I like to help people. So I like when I see an RFE or I see a problem that someone has, I'm immediately trying to think in my head, how would I solve that problem to try to figure out, okay, should something be done to solve this RFE or not? So I love being part of the CAC. So with that being said, it's no surprise to me that in 2019, you, you, you were in fact selected as an IBM Fresh Face. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I think it's wonderful. Talk about, talk about you're on the uh, Women in IT, the WIT committee. What, what, kind of, what role do you think that women in particular have in IT that, that's you know, unique to that? You know, why is there a, a, a separate committee for, for just women in IT? Well, I think, you know, and WMCPA has ours. And really the whole reason behind usually the women in IT uh, committees are just to inspire young women to get involved in IT or that's, you know, that's my take on it is to show them, okay, there are women in these roles. You can do it. You know, they're in our case for like WMCPA, we, we've worked with a lot of the schools to introduce them to the IBMI platform because they're not even aware of the IBMI platform. Um, but we've had a lot of, you know, just discussion and, and just showing that, you know, women do have a place in the, in the tech industry. Right. I mean, historically it's been a male dominated industry, but, but that's no longer the case. Um, and thankfully so. I'm glad that you're part of that and really, you know, heading that up. I think it's an important committee to, um, to be involved with. Let's go forward. Let's, so you mentioned earlier some projects that you've, you've committed or you've made available to the IBMI community, open source projects. Mm -hmm. I know one of them is called, has to do with um, logging, application logging. What can you tell me about that? So that one, and it's one actually that it was my first one and, and I released that back um, Christmas of 2017. So it's one that I do want to re-release. It is application logging. So what it is, is it's, um, it's procedures that you can call and configure to do logging for you. So it's something that really competes with, excuse me, job logs that you can always keep around. So if you call if you call this procedure to log something, let's say your your program blows up and you're calling the the method to do the logging, if it's configured to log, then it'll write it to the table. So you've got that logged information around as long as you want it. You can configure the logging on and off because there's a data area that says, okay, I want to turn logging on for this program or I can shut it off. And you can do that by severity level. And that for us, because we use it all the time, it has been such a big, 
you know, change for us when it comes to dealing with problems or dealing with, with issues with programs. You know, if we've got something that blows up in the middle of the night, if I've already got logging in the program, I can just turn on logging and run the program again and then see what was entered into the database and that'll give me a good idea of what's going on. It gives a complete, a whole new dynamic and dimension to application debugging and things like that because you're, you're giving yourself more insight to what's happening in real time. Correct. That's awesome. And the second project I want to talk about is one that I think is getting even more more recognition these days is IBM iUnit. Tell us about that because I, I know of RPG unit. So why don't you talk about that just for a minute, RPG unit or how, how you know, where is that the genesis of IBM iUnit and, 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 how to, and what is that all about? So IBM iUnit, it is a RPG um, unit testing framework. And just to kind of preface it a little bit, when I started at Everbright, the only unit testing that we were doing was on the Java side, and that was using JUnit. And we knew that we wanted to start unit testing some of the RPG side, but the only way that we could do that was either creating separate programs and using the display app code or unit testing using Java, which for us that did work, but we knew that the community, it would only help a certain members of the community, those that knew both RPG and Java. So we knew that we wanted something native. And at that point, this is like 2017, RPG unit hadn't been updated at that point. So when we did look at it, we were like, okay, we wanted to kind of do our own. And so that's when we started on IUMI unit. We had the concept in mind. And the biggest thing for us is we wanted to make sure that it followed the same standard of all the other unit testing frameworks. And so we we got it done. It's a native RPG and it's released out to the community. So testing is such a broad term. How, give me an example. I mean, what comes to my mind with, with one of these tools is saying like assertions, for example, can you, mm -hmm. can you speak to those and how, how they might be helpful in an application? So the beauty of unit testing is exactly that. So unit testing is you were, you were testing, Exactly that you're testing units, you're testing little pieces of code. So the best way that you can think of it in the IBMI world is you're testing methods or procedures as we call them inside of a service program. And when you're able, when you've got a program that may be calling four or five methods, you can test those four or five methods individually and multiple times. You can hit them multiple different ways. That's really unit testing. You mentioned uh, procedures, you know, multiple, multiple procedures, things like that. That's certainly on the roadmap of pro, uh, program mod, uh, modernization, I should say. So mm -hmm. do you think using a, a tool such as IBM iUnit improves even program design? Do they go hand in hand? Do they, do they complement each other in that regard? Does, if, if you're striving to come up with an application that will be more testable, do you think that's going to change the way you even write the application? I, I believe it will because, you know, you do need to have testable code. 
you can test, in theory, you could test a big monolithic program if you want, because you can have your unit test call that program and then test its output or test it if it did database IO, you could have, you know, go to the database and, and check its database. But it's not going to be a true unit test because it didn't test all the individual pieces. So if you do want to use you know, true unit testing in its true form, then you're going to design, you're going to redesign your, your applications to use service programs, to use, you know, modules and so on and so forth. It does kind of go hand in hand. So what's your message to the many of the shops that have, as you mentioned, these monolithic, very large, unstructured programs? What's, what's your advice What's your advice to them if, if they want to in introduce a, a more, a more uh, formal testing program? Start somewhere. I don't expect anyone to, you know, it's, you can't start big. You can't just look at everything and, and, you know, grab it all in one go and, and try to take one big monolithic program and, and automatically test it or immediately break it up. But you got to start somewhere. So if you've got a big monolithic program, you know that it's doing some form of calculation, but you know that that calculation is going to be used in other places. Take that calculation out, put it into a service program. Then you can write unit test over that and just start making the changes in that direction. Modernize as you go and take the little steps. But the important thing is to just start. Let's talk, let's just, I have, I have this one interesting question because I, I talk about refactoring and there's always that balance that you need to find when you're refactoring code. And, and the balance I'm, I'm referring to specifically is you can over refactor where you, you mm -hmm. reach ultimately a, a point of diminishing returns and right. it becomes obsessive at that point. So do you have a similar paradigm for some, can you, can you over test a program? I don't. Or I guess the better question is, at what point do you say we're done? You, I would say you're done when you've tested the most scenarios possible. So you've tested the program in all the ways you think that it could possibly break. Because because ideally you're testing to make sure that your your program or application is is going to work. And so you want to throw as many scenarios at as it, you know, at it as possible. But you're not going to throw if you've got just a small procedure, you know, like for example, I've got a a text utils to uppercase procedure, I'm not going to throw 50 unit tests at it. I only have 5 unit test cases for it because I I know at one point it's all going to be redundant. So you just throw until you feel comfortable that, you know, your, your code's not going to break. So it kind of comes down to how comfortable you are, I guess, with your code. But you're speaking as a developer. I mean, I, I don't mm -hmm. think, I don't think developers should have the final word in testing. I think that, I think that's a good, that's a, it's unit testing. Exactly. It's unit testing. Right. But do you think that developers, um, I mean, I know this is, I know this is the case in, in many cases where the developer themselves will do the testing and then it gets right promoted to production. It, I don't know. I'm in this situation to where 
I, we have to wear multiple hats. We don't have an individual QA person. We don't have, you know, I'm, I'm an admin, I'm a project manager, you know, developer, all that kind of stuff. So I guess the best thing you can do, which is our approach to things is, you know, we have a lead architect and if I'm writing some unit tests, you know, I'll have him look at it or I do code review to, uh, Shelly, the girl that um, I mentor, you know, if you're in a shop to where you are both the coder, the tester, the person who's in charge of this, ask your other developers to look at it. Or, or, or some of your users before you promote it as well. Users, right. User community right. as well. All right. Well, let, let's just switch over one last question I wanted to talk to you about. And that's just the IBMI community itself, because I, I like to think that I'm, I'm, Part, you know, I am part of that community, certainly, and, and as are you. And what, what's your final thoughts on where you think you've, what you've already brought? I mean, I know what you've already brought, but what would be your final jewels or pearls of wisdom for other people who are just getting into this space in the IBMI community? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the one thing that I, and in fact, I talked about this yesterday in the session that, that I did for Common Focus, is that the one thing I love about the IBMI community is how tight-knit the community is, how open everyone is to help one another. And just how easy it is to where if someone needs help, either one person knows the answer or they know how to get the answer and they're more than willing to help each other out. And that goes across from not just anyone that's involved in one local user groups, that's across multiple user groups, that's across common. Um, it's just the IBMI community together. And once you get into the community, you don't ever really want to leave it. Hmm. One big happy family. Exactly. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, Maureen, I'll tell you what, I, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I think this, this was a great great little exercise that we did here. And I, I'm, I'm truly grateful for your time and, and for your, your candor and your honesty. And, and more importantly, for all you've done in, in the five, six years you've already been in the community, I, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. I, I'm quite confident it's going to be outstanding. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Bye now.